another home run for Ian Happ. Another prospect gets called up. Another great start from Cole Hamels. We'll talk about it all right now on the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast on Hump Day on Wednesday, May 23rd. I am Adam Azer. It's just a scam show today. He is Scott White. Hello, Scott White. Hello to you, Adam. What's up? How we feeling? We're feeling pretty good. Pretty good. Another big day of baseball. Another big day for Juan Soto. Yes. Who walked three times and did not see a strike on any of those three walks. Wow. They're pitching around him already. Uh, They're scared. (laughs) And they should be. Probably. Because the rest of the lineup isn't so uh, formidable. Uh, actually, uh, I don't know where he's hitting. Where was he hitting in the lineup? Uh, I believe sixth or seventh. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, so yeah, we will talk about uh, Juan Soto. Not sure there's much to say. He is 86% owned, but Willie Adamas is 34% owned. D. Gore. Oh, the Mariners. The Mariners got very injured yesterday. They did not have a fun day. Uh, no. We do have some fun stuff coming up, but let's start with another day, another prospect. Willie Adamas, 22 years old. Not great. Minor league numbers. This year in the minors, he's batting 311 with four homers and 30 and three steals in 40 games. In his minor league career, Adamas is a dreadful steal percentage. He has 52 steals and 85 attempts in 593 games. That's not good. But he's 34% only homered off Chris Sale. It's only temporary. Joey Wendell's on paternity leave, but he homered off Chris Sale, Scott. So you know, Mm -hmm. maybe send him back down, but he'll, he'll come back up, right? Yeah, and I wouldn't even rule out the possibility that he stays up now. I mean, he did start at shortstop yesterday, and it's not like that's Wendell's position, you know? Right. Um, so he did. He also struck out twice, but you know, facing Chris Sale, you give him a pass for that. It it's just like I could see it being a Cody Bellinger situation. Last April, we assumed it was just going to be a short term stay for Bellinger. Dave Roberts even said it was going to be a short-term stay, and then he never went back down. I wouldn't rule out that possibility if he continues to perform. And though he didn't have big power numbers in the minors, he was always a top-rate prospect. The the production had steadily improved through his minor league career, and he just looks like a good enough – he looks like he has enough hitting aptitude that I could see him being one of those prospects who just – uh, is better in the majors than he ever was in the minors. I think shortstop is deep enough that there's no reason to slot him in the top 20 right now. But if you have a bad, if you're in a bad spot at that position, there's some upside here and it might be worth a gamble. So this is Willie Adamas we're talking about. He actually had three strikeouts yesterday, but yes, Chris Sale was on the mound. We will forgive Willie Adamas. Uh, do you think you would drop, let's say, Jorge Soler for Adamas? No. No. Okay. No. Would you drop Matt Kemp for Adamas? Yeah, but I, I've i never really been into Kemp to begin with. No. No, you haven't. Uh, what about Austin Meadows? Starling Marte could be back on Saturday. Meadows making a case for more playing time, but where? 48% <laughs> owned. He's batting 400 with two homers and a steal. No walks, only one strikeout in four games. 48% owned Meadows. Speaking of hitting aptitude, allowing a prospect to perform better in the majors than he did in the minors, Meadows might be doing that sort of thing now. It's it's too small of a sample to really conclude that's what's happening here, but there are plenty of believers in him still, even with pretty awful numbers in the minors the last two years. I mean, going into last year, Baseball America had him as the sixth best prospect in, in the game. So there's definitely pedigree here, but ultimately, like, who's the Pirates' worst outfielder when everybody's healthy? Corey Dickerson? Yeah. Is he going to overtake Corey Dickerson? It's starting to happen with Corey Dickerson. He's slumping. He's starting to, he's, I, I he mean, is starting to slump. It's a small but, slump, but I think right. it's a sign of, of a bigger slump, or a, a continued Maybe. slump. But yeah. he has, he's built up a lot of goodwill, I think. Right. And, uh, yeah, I would suspect Meadows gets sent back down once Starling Marte's healthy. You know who's underrated, Scott? Who's underrated? You are underrated. No. You are. Tim Meadows is underrated. Very (laughs) funny man. I mean, he doesn't get the credit he deserves uh, from his SNL days. The Ladies Man, very funny movie. I don't know. I'm a big Tim Meadows fan. He's, he, uh, he, 
he often does well in supporting roles. Who who is your favorite former SNL cast member? Oh, that's something I haven't really thought about. This is why I'm not overrated because why are we talking about this? I honestly, no, I, I, I'll, I'll take the popular ones. I think I'm just going to go with with Will Ferrell. I think he's better than all of them. Um, and that's a lot. Like yeah. a lot he's, of that's Bill Murray, Eddie Murphy. I you know uh, I don't really remember Bill. Oh Murray yeah, either. I mean if you go back that far, I love Bill Murray. Bill I mean Murray's he's great. kind of past his prime, I guess, but. Like, whenever he does pop up in a movie, it's still magical. Will Ferrell, better comedy career than Bill Murray. I said uh, it. Oh, my gosh. I don't know. I can't believe I, I said that. Oh, my. It's more prolific, I feel like. Yeah. What is the What is the Bill Murray comedy that stands out to you? The movie that he starred in, that he was a, it was his movie? Go, I mean. It's not yeah. Ghostbusters. You cannot say that. It's not Ghostbusters because Dan Aykroyd was in it too and Harold Ramis. Right, exactly. And they're, you know, they're both comedic legends, but that was like Bill Murray like owned every scene in that movie. He made that movie. It was probably Groundhog Day. It's yeah, definitely not right. Caddyshack. He's barely yeah, in it. Yeah, you're that. right. It's, it's Groundhog Day. I mean, those two, it's Groundhog Scrooge. Day and Ghostbusters. Scrooge is great. They gotta be, for me, they gotta be in the top 20 comedies ever. Are they better than old school? An anchorman? I think so. All right, Scott. Juan Soto. Don't get us off on these tangents. Juan Soto. <laughs> one for one with three walks against the Padres. Is there anything to say about Juan Soto? Is he on your bench this week? Because he's on my bench. In one of the leagues where I own him, he's on my bench. Yeah. Because I happen to have a stacked outfield. But Ooh. Yeah. Well. <laughs> Look at Scott White, everybody. We'll, we'll see how the rest of this week goes. But I think he can push his way past Brett Gardner. Oh, uh, yeah, I'd say so. Who sat against a lefty yesterday, uh, yeah. by the way. Uh, and that lefty he sat against was Cole Hamels. We'll talk about Cole Hamels in you know, about 20 seconds. I just want to tell you what's coming up on today's show. Scott and I are going to put our, our uh, commish hats on, and we are regulating. The fantasy regulators are back coming up later in the show. If you have a league dispute, send an email to fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. And put fantasy regulators in the subject line. You have to put exactly that. Fantasy regulators. Not regulators. Not regulate. Not regulation. Not is this regulation size. Just put fantasy regulators. And we will uh, try to get to them at, uh, probably once, twice a week. And we also, Scott, I am digging deep, by the way, at this point. Um, yeah, I am digging deep for music. But we are teaching today. And we are... There we go. <laughs> Take a while to come on. Teach you how to grade the trade today. Any song with the word teach in it, or grade, or Dougie. There you go. Scott's grooving over there. Yeah. I saw that, Scott. I saw that shimmy. <laughs> All right, we'll do grade the trade a little bit later on. Scott, let's talk about Cole Hamels. He was a buy-low candidate for you. Seven innings, two runs. Seven strikeouts, two home runs against the team he will be pitching for in just a couple of months, the New York Yankees. And the wins, you know, he's got, he's three and four, but he's gonna go to a better team, right? This is, this is good stuff for Cole Hamels. I mean, if he goes to the Yankees, yeah, we can expect that win-loss record to improve for sure. I think it will anyway, as deep as he's pitching into games and as effectively as he's pitching. He was, he was last year where I kind of feel like Jake Arrieta and John Lester are this year. Just looked like the stuff was clearly diminished, strikeout rate dropping, but he's he's managed to salvage it this year. He's back, and, and it was a stated goal of his in spring training, kind of reworked his arsenal and is getting strikeouts again, and is pitching deep into games in a way most pitchers don't these days. So to me, he's a borderline top 40 pitcher. Cole Hamels, would you take him over Jamison Tyone? We have the worryometer coming up yeah. today, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. Easily. Right. Would you take him over Luke Weaver? I let it rank Weaver ahead still, but there's there's the concern with Alex Reyes coming back that Weaver ends up being the odd man out. Because we know now it's not going to be Alex Reyes. Reyes is going to be in the starting rotation for sure. The Cardinals GM Michael Gersh said the other day uh, at the end of the month. So, like, you know, less than a week from now. Who would you rather have, Cole Hamels or Alex Reyes? 
Alex Reyes. I actually moved him definitively to my top 40 yesterday. Big rise for him. He's He is must-own. Okay, Alex Reyes. Scott, who stood out to you in Wednesday's games? I mean, I guess Cole Hamels is must-own too, but... You know, yeah. Reyes is actually still available in some leagues. Right. Uh, so who stood out to me yesterday? I'm asking the questions here. <laughs> <laughs> Caleb Smith. Yeah. Nice bounce back performance from him. Uh, the good, the Caleb with the K showed up again. Right. Boy, did we have a big group of fringy starting pitchers. Like, 40 to 70% owned kind of guys, and they they mostly were pretty bad. Um, oh, you know, Shasin was good. I guess I overstated it. It was Zach Wheeler was good. Matt Harvey was good. They were uninspiring though. Um, Trevor Cahill and Caleb Smith though they did they did nicely, but Smith had the strikeouts. Cahill's two starts in a row without strikeouts. Uh, who would you rather own, Smith or Cahill? I would rather own Smith. And in fact, the way these two starts off the DL have gone for Cahill, you know, he was fringy to begin with, but I think he's back to being droppable. You held on to him. I held on to him this week anywhere I had him because it was a two-star week. But um, he would be somebody, if, if, if a new player emerged on waivers who was interesting, worth picking up, Cahill might be somebody I dropped. And for Caleb Smith, we're looking at two starts next week at San Diego and at Arizona. So that's good stuff. And he's 52% owned, Caleb Smith. Uh, any other standouts? I got, I got one, uh, that I'd like to talk about in a bit if you, or, or now, if you want some time to think of more standouts. What about Kevin Gosman? That's the guy I wanted to talk about. Let's I... do it. Sell, 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 sell. What do you have? What? 25 swinging strikes yesterday, right? Something like that. Something like that. Twenty-three is the number I saw, but okay. it was. It depends you know, what an website. An elite, elite total, his highest of the season, obviously. Yeah, so I, I own a decent amount of Kevin Gosman. I have him three of six leagues. I looked at his upcoming schedule, and you know, last time out he was really bad against Boston. He said that the uh, strike zone wasn't good and it affected him, whatever. But I think now. This won't be exact, because it never is. But I looked at, like, if he starts every five games for the Baltimore Orioles, this is the upcoming schedule for Kevin Gosman. At the Rays this weekend. Yankees. At Toronto. Boston. At Washington. At Atlanta. And the Angels. I really think that Gosman has taken advantage of an easy schedule. Well, But, but I'm conflicted, because I know you, ha- you had him as a breakout going into the year. Yeah. I'd like to get something... Really good for him. I'm not saying Gosman stinks, but I'm not. Okay. I'm not sure. I'm at the point where I trust him, especially on this terrible team. How many wins is he going to get? Um, I'm not sure. I'm at the point where I trust him against tough matchups. That yeah, that's there's that's probably fair. I mean, he did have a good start against the Yankees earlier this year. Now you know I was at that game. It was cold. They weren't <laughs> playing that well. He didn't pitch that great. We have three strikeouts or something. He had a great start against the Indians. I don't know. Their, yeah, their hitters were, so, their hitters game, were so slow out of the gate, but yeah. obviously they have a ton of really good ones. He did, yeah. uh, That was probably his best start before yesterday, actually, that Indian start. I mean, I don't know. I he's not like It's not like he's ascended to must-start status for me either. So in a one-start week with a bad matchup, I wouldn't definitively sit him, but I'd have to weigh my options. Yeah. One thing I really like about this start, and I know it was against the White Sox, and that probably was a contributing factor, but you know, we, I, we, every time we've talked about Gosman, I've talked about how important his splitter is for his effectiveness. How if you look at the breakdown last year, um, early in the year he was throwing it about 15% of the time, was dreadful. Later in the year was throwing it 25% of the time, and was basically Trevor Bauer. So... You know, for the most part, that's been up this year. Yesterday's start, he threw it more like 40% of the time. Mm-hmm. He did the Patrick Corbin thing of make your best pitch your primary pitch, and we see the result. So I'm, I'm not sure there isn't still untapped upside here if that becomes the normal approach for Gosman. Obviously, yeah. one start sample, so we have no idea if it was just a blip, but 
it was it was interesting. I like if you can definitively sell high, sure. But the fact that he has he's only three and three with three forty eight ERA. If anybody looks at his FIP, they're going to be underwhelmed. I'm not confident you can really. Yeah, I mean, sell I've been high. trying and I can't sell him, but I. So that so that's the thing. Like I'm fine just keeping Kevin Gosman. You know, I'm not. I like him. Uh, I would like to turn him into something great if possible on the heels of this awesome start. And he might have another one at Tampa Bay this weekend. And then the schedule could get pretty rough for him. So, like maybe you could swap him for Tanaka. You know, I, just... I, I asked somebody before yesterday's start. That I would do, by the way, yeah. But I said, who would you rather have, Gosman or Maeda? Because I was work, trying to work out a deal with him, and I was trying to get Maeda back. And he said Maeda. I could maybe hit him up again and see what he thinks. But now I'm not sure I want to do it because I thought they were kind of close. Uh, who would you rather yeah, have, I mean, Maeda there, or Gosman? Last, after Maeda's last start, I pointed out some reasons to suspect regression the good kind for him right but i just i feel like the ceiling's lower just because the way the dodgers handle him Mm -hmm. so i'd rather have gosman scott uh ian happ 75 percent owned he sat yesterday but he had been in the starting lineup you know fairly regularly lately he came off the bench and had a pinch in home run and now in his last five games Happ, happ is six for 12 with three home runs nine walks nine walks and four k's in five games is Ian Happ a must-add everywhere if he's available? He's 75% owned. No, he's not a must-add everywhere. I think that ownership is appropriate. In the leagues where you need a middle infield spot, you have five outfielder spots to fill. He needs to be owned in those. But it's not like we were going to go all season without Ian Happ getting hot. I don't know that five games is enough to ease my concerns with the ridiculously high strikeout rate. And clearly it's not like he's an everyday player for the Cubs yet. Maybe if this goes on a little longer, he can enter into that mix. But like that's for even when, even before you get to the strikeout issue, if he's only starting four times a week, like that's not in a standard head to head league. That's not going to amount to much. All right. That's Ian Happ. And Scott, any other standouts before we move on? I'm sure there are, but I'm sure we'll get to them. Okay. As finally as you craft these notes, oh, you, you underrated podcast host, you. <laughs> uh, in the bullpen, Nate Jones, three saves in six days. Nate Jones is 28% owned. And we always thought he was a good pitcher, just not on a very good team. But who would you rather own, Nate Jones or another guy who got a save yesterday, Tyler Clippard? Clippard. Okay. I think it's clearer. Like I, I feel like the White Sox could throw another guy out there tomorrow. I mean, I think Jones has made some headway for sure, but I just don't trust the way they manage that bullpen, and they're worse than the Blue Jays. How about Corey Knebel getting the save and Erodis Viscaino? So, who do you think gets a bigger percentage of their team's saves? Corey Knebel, because Hader pitched the seventh and the eighth through thirty pitches. And then Viscaino with Wink, was it Winkler? Is that his name? Winkler? Winker. No, no, I'm He's sorry. Winkler, Winkler right? you're yeah. right. Henry Winkler, Winkler pitched the seventh. <laughs> Dan Winkler. AJ Minter pitched the eighth, and then Arotis Viscaino the ninth. Uh, who gets a bigger percentage of the saves? Canable or Viscaino? Speaking of, uh, actors who are great in supporting comedic roles. Oh. Oh yeah. I think, were, were you saying who gets it between I'm sorry. Who was who are the pitchers again? Canable and Viscaino. Okay, Canable I think does. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, are you watching the I, show Barry, Scott? I'm not. Okay. Yeah. Henry Winkler's terrific. Go ahead. Yeah. I still think Viscaino loses his job. At really? Some point. I don't know that it'll be to mentor anymore, but like Dan Winkler's the best reliever in the Braves rotation, and they at least broached the possibility of giving him save chances. It hasn't happened yet, and I like. I mean, this guy, you know, is fine. Maybe he'll keep the job. It's just I'm always wary of when the when the closer isn't the best reliever in the bullpen, which I know is probably technically true for Milwaukee too. But haters, it's just such a specialized role that he has. You know, Heath was saying that even in a points league, Hater could still be valuable, and I was not really feeling it because you need either a save or a win. You need saves or wins in points leagues. You cannot just get by on on ratios. But you look at him, I think he might get enough saves or wins and pitch yes. probably five innings a week. Oh, I rank him ahead of this guy, you know. In a points league? 
Yes, even in a points league. And that's partly because, you know, I'm suspicious Fiscaino keeps the job all year, but Hater's on pace for 192 strikeouts. Uh, Dane, Dane Perry tweeted over the weekend, I think it was, and it may have changed slightly since then, but I think he was in the top 12 in the NL in strikeouts as a reliever, which is insane. Yeah, oh, it's, yeah, yeah, he's, I, they were talking about it on some broadcast I was watching, the pitchers that had fewer strikeouts than Josh Hader, and the, like, starting pitchers. The amount yeah. of innings that they had pitched compared to him, yeah, it's pretty amazing. Uh, he is basically, Josh Hader is the seat geek of relief pitchers. He is the one that you should own. Put Josh Hader on your cell phone or the seat geek app, whichever one's more convenient, and get yourself to the games, concerts, comedy, theater, whatever you want to see. Make seat geek your go-to app for finding the best deals on every type of ticket. And every purchase is fully guaranteed. You can shop for tickets on seat geek with confidence. I have used seat geek Many, many times, probably double digits at this point. Not only have I used it, but I have recommended it to friends, and they use it. And it has gotten to the point where now I recommend it, and they're like, oh, yeah, of course, I use SeatGeek. Because SeatGeek is the best app for finding tickets. It saves you time, and it saves you money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find the best deals. You want to know how to save money. So here are two ways. Number one, you download the SeatGeek app, and you use the code FANTASY for 20 bucks off your first purchase. Or... We got a special offer for MLB purchases, not just first timers, but use the code today for ten bucks off baseball tickets. Two choices for you. Fantasy for twenty bucks off your first purchase, or the code is today for ten bucks off baseball tickets. Always feel free to tweet or email if you need help with the codes. I didn't leave with the D Gordon news because he might only miss ten days. He has a broken toe. Going into last night's game, D. Gordon was ninth in points, sixth in roto at second base with a 304 average. Very few extra base hits. One homer, 10 doubles, not bad, and a triple. And uh, 16 steals in 45 games. So, Scott, could just be short term for Gordon? Yeah, he actually stole a base with the broken toe. So he doesn't feel like it's a bad break. Okay. Uh, could this be a bad break? Gene Segura hurting his shoulder, sliding into home plate, I believe, last night. And Mitch Haniger left after being hit by a pitch on the wrist. He's day to day. Rough day for the for the M's. Yeah, Mitch Haniger, I think is going to be okay. I'm more concerned about Segura because I jammed shoulder is not an injury you hear about often, and I feel like a lot of times more serious injuries are classified as jams at first, and obviously shoulders not is very complicated. Very complicated joint that can cause a lot of trouble if it's injured. So I'm not, you know, obviously no, we're not I know, doing I know anything with Segura yet, but I'm just, I'm just <laughs> yeah. concerned. Sure. Um, the Mets signed Jose Bautista. Gary Sanchez left with calf cramps. Probably will be out of the lineup today. Ryan Braun could be. I can't explain to you how bad Gary Sanchez was catching yesterday. Holy cow, was he bad? <laughs> I mean, he, poor Domingo, Domingo Ramon. A, a run scored from third base on a ball that probably got 15, 25, 20, 15 to 20 feet away from home plate. It was, it was just awful. Anyway, uh, Ryan Braun could be back tomorrow. Jeremy Hellickson is pitching well. He left with a blister. Steven Souza's on the DL with a pectoral strain. Uh, Travis Jankowski, so Gerard Dyson, you know, clear path to playing time for him. Travis Jankowski was caught stealing. I only mention that because you might need steals and Jankowski's 35% owned. Aaron Judge says he will not participate in the Home Run Derby. Well, I will not watch it. Minnesota acquired Chris Carter from the Angels for cash considerations. Carter's going to AAA. Matt Boyd did not have a good start, but he was dealing with an oblique spasm, they called it. He left early with the oblique spasm, and Boyd expects to make his next start. Brandon Crawford, Scott White, he homered off Garrett Cole. Did you know I did not that Garrett Cole and Brandon Crawford are brothers-in-law? Garrett Cole Brand- is married to Brandon Crawford's sister. I did not know that. Yeah. No. And Brandon Crawford homered off his brother-in-law, Garrett Cole. Mm. Uh, more importantly, Brandon Crawford's batting 453 with a 680 slugging percentage in May, and he is 53% owned. Yeah, he's flashing some of the some of that mid-range power he showed a couple years ago. The BABIP is really high, but the line drive rate is also really high. 
I don't like if he can sustain the line drive rate, he can probably have a high Babbitt, but I don't know, you know, just based on his career, I don't know if he can. I think, uh, I think he's a fine fill in as shortstop for now. Brandon Crawford. All right. Crawford or Adamas? Like if you're, if it's for a bench spot, you're targeting upside Adamas. But if you need somebody in your lineup right now, got to go Crawford. Let me tell you the last three updates I've given on Greg Bird, including the one today. Monday, Greg Bird could be back this weekend. Tuesday, Greg Bird will not be back until next week. Wednesday, Greg Bird could be back this weekend. (laughs) I hope they wait until Tuesday. I would like for him to sit on my DL for an entire week so I can see what I've got there. So I might have to drop him. I hope I don't. That would be in a shallower league. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Toronto called up Devin Travis. Marcus Stroman started a throwing program, which doesn't sound like he's very close to me, which stinks. Close to me. And Nate Evaldi could be back next week. And Miguel Sano could be back on Friday. All right, Scott White, you wrote an interesting story about first base and all these stinking first basemen. Like, they stink right now. I didn't have a chance to read it. I am sorry. I wanted to. But I, <laughs> I will. Um what what would you like to highlight from that? And by the way, we just got an email about Jurickson and Profar. Interesting player. I do want to talk about him. Profar or Adamas? Adamas. Okay. Scott, first base. A lot of struggling first baseman. What are you thinking right now? I think the one that's the hardest to make a case for is Paul Goldschmidt. But I, digging deep enough, I was able to find one. And I feel like... He's the sort of player where right now you'd obviously be selling him for nickels on the dollar. It's just not worth it. As much big of an investment as you made in him, um, you need some reason for optimism. Here's what I found on him. So, yeah, the strikeout rate's way up. Uh, people are concerned it's an age thing. I know you, you, I don't know if you mentioned it on the podcast, but you sent us an email over the weekend about how I, yeah. he, uh, do you remember what that note is? Yeah, I mentioned it on the podcast that Buster only had noted how how much Paul Goldschmidt was was missing fastballs, and yeah. that and that he was in a category with a bunch of older players, I think like Ian Kinsler. But I just Partic- particularly hard fastballs. Yeah, it was right. it was it was ninety six miles per hour. Not right, exactly. I, I you know I I looked at his performance pitch for pitch. Fastball is. You know, it, it, he's down across the board pretty much evenly. It's not, it's not like fastball was significantly bigger drop than anything else. So, uh, so between the strikeouts and the fastball thing, like, they may be signs of age on their own, but the fact that he has a normal line drive rate, a normal hard contact rate, I'm suspicious it's an age thing. What I did find for Goldschmidt is that he is seeing more first pitch strikes than ever by far. Pitchers are getting off, getting out to an 0-1 count against him. He's also seeing more total pitches than ever. So I think Swing it's the just bat. a case of him being too patient. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like he's he's falling into a hole and having to bat defensively, and he, he's suffering with it. Like I, I think it's it may be as simple as him just learning to be as aggressive as pitchers are being with him, which – you know, if he's in a, the, the, him being the accomplished hitter he is, I would expect him to follow suit. I think it's also worth reminding people at the end of April, he had an OPS over 900. Like, yeah, we weren't worried about him then. It's just been a disaster in May. So like, I don't know. I think, I think maybe, um, reports of his demise are exaggerated. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'd be more likely to buy on him than sell, assuming it is low and that his owner isn't looking for face value there. So that's Paul Goldschmidt. Or isn't looking for preseason value. Are there first basemen that you are genuinely concerned about that you don't think are are as certain to turn it around? (sighs) Encarnacion, Reese Hoskins, Uh, Cody Bellinger. They were all in this column. And I managed to make a positive argument for each. I think Encarnacion would be the most concerning of those and of the ones in the column, uh, just because of his age and, you know, the fact that you, you could see the big jump in strikeouts being more age related for him than Goldschmidt because he's five years older. But his strikeouts were awful the first two months last year. And then he was a contact hitter the final four months. Like, had ended up having another awesome season. So I think it's too early to uh, panic on him also. 
Like, if you want to count Ryan Braun as a first baseman, he's eligible there, and I know he's on the DL, but, you know, he won't be, he'll be coming off later this week. I, I think he's pretty much done. Braun. You don't think yeah. I could get Encarnacion for Kevin Gosman, do you? Maybe. All right, I think it's I'll propose. Worth a, worth a try. Yeah, I think I'll propose it. Why not? I mean, I I, <laughs> I would definitely take Goldschmidt for Gosman, but I I think most people will be reluctant to sell Goldschmidt. I I think that there would be a decent amount of Encarnacion owners that would be willing to sell him, and I don't know that they'd be wrong. I mean, maybe he is done, but I think it's probably worth taking a shot on Encarnacion, yeah. right? Exactly. I mean, we we went through this with him last year as well, like pretty much the exact same timetable. Yeah. Okay. And I mean, and actually in May, I, I know a lot of it's driven. He had a three homer game on May 2nd, and a lot of it's driven, driven by that. But nonetheless, if you just look at his May stats, they're not that bad. Let's do, uh, let's do some worryometer Wednesday, some grade the trade, talk more about yesterday's games. I did promise everybody that I was going to win on the draft app, and damn it, I was so close. I had a really good team last night. Uh, I had Trevor Bauer. I had the fifth pick out of five. And let me just uh, go ahead and check. I, I know I came in second. So I had Bauer, and I had Mookie Betts, and I had Bryce Harper. But I got two zeros. Manny Machado against James Shields somehow didn't hit three home runs. He didn't even get a hit. And uh, Matt Carpenter against Jason Hamill. James Shields and Hamill somehow had really good starts. So I lost by 2.33 points to a team that had Gosman, Freeman, Jose Ramirez, Mike Trout, and Reese Hoskins. Very close. Today might be my day. Get on the draft app. Compete against me. Compete against others. Play snake drafts. Now, I do five-person snake drafts. You can do two-person drafts, ten-person drafts. They've got a best ball feature if you want to do some NFL um, draft apping, which is awesome. You can also go to draft.com, by the way, if you don't want to play on the app. Uh, they give you projections. They help you out. Make it really easy to, to kind of look at the players that are available and put them in your queue. Uh, you can do 30 seconds on the clock. That's what I do. The drafts are really quick. They take just a few minutes. I'm really having a great time. So please join me. Get on the draft app right now and use the promo code FB today. Play in a, a real money game for free just by using the code FB today when you make your first deposit. Again, search draft in your app store or go to draft.com and enter the code FB today. Worryometer. A couple of first basemen. Let's start with there. Joey Gallo. Batting average down to 197. He does have 14 homers, 31 RBIs. And entering yesterday's games, he was 11th in points and 5th in roto at first base. 12th in points, 7th in roto at third base. That means third base has been better than first base. Worryometer on Joey Gallo. What are we uh, What are we worrying about? I, if we're worried that he's only going to be who he was last year, then the worryometer is like a 9. But that's still a pretty valuable player, especially in Roto. All right. Worryometer on Reese Hoskins. He is currently the number 10 first baseman, but third first base has been really weak. He's batting 237 with six home runs. And I, mm -hmm. I think the nicest thing you say about Hoskins is he's getting on base a lot. 32 walks in 46 games. Also has 56 Ks. Uh, Hoskins, a 237 batting average and only six home runs. Does have three steals, though. Worryometer on Reese Hoskins. I'll go... I'll go like a four here. He has a similar, like there, there's reasons to suspect like with Goldschmidt, the strikeout, the jump in strikeouts is related to being too patient. Uh, but e even beyond that, like looking at the BABIP he has and the fact that it looks fairly sustainable, he, he mainly just needs to hit more home runs to get his batting average back to a tolerable level. And he has the, uh, at least as of a couple days ago, he has the second lowest ground ball rate among qualifying batters. So he's elevating the ball. He's hitting it hard still. Like, he's going to hit home runs. He was among the minor league leaders in home runs the last two seasons. And once once that corrects, then the batting average will correct along with it. So Reese Hoskins, you think, is better things to come? Four on the I'll drop there. it to a three. Three on the worry on. All right. Yeah. Andrew McCutcheon. I will remind you that last year he had a 205 batting average after 47 games. He has now played 46 games and he's batting 243 with three home runs. After those 47 games last year, McCutcheon 
had an 11.26 OPS over his next 63 games. Worryometer right now on McCutcheon, who, by the way, has a 48% hard contact rate. That's a very good. It is very good. Yeah. I will go four for him. Worryometer on Carlos Correa, number nine shortstop in both points in Roto, batting 268, eight home runs, 25 walks, 47 strikeouts in 47 games. Worryometer on Correa. One. Okay. Worryometer on Jamison Tyone. Uh, let's say. Let's go about a nine for him. Yeah. Oh man. Did we get, did we get destroyed in that trade we made, Scott? Did we get destroyed? Like, I wasn't for the trade, and we haven't, I wouldn't say we won the trade. But no, we have certainly not won it. We gave up Junis and, um, Brad, uh, Delano DeShields for Tyone and Brad Ziegler. But, like, DeShields has been pretty awful. In a three outfielder league, I don't know that DeShields is a must start, even though it's a categories well, league. Well, it's a 16 team league, we should mention that. Uh, um, yeah. Actually, Ziegler, we should give Ziegler, he's gotten us some, some saves. But, yeah. but Tyone versus Junis. I don't think Junis. it's been horrible. But at the same time, like, I'd rather have Junis than Tyone at this point. Isn't that amazing? Like, the Pirates, like, how good would Jameis and Tyone be if he got traded to the Astros? He'd be incredible. <laughs> well, actually, his last two starts, maybe three starts, he's back to featuring the four-seamer over the two-seamer, which is what we got excited about at the beginning of the season. And obviously, the other results haven't followed suit. So I don't know what's up there. Yeah, I don't either. Um, all right, so Tyone is is he droppable? In a shallower league, yeah, he's droppable. Okay, worryometer for Jonathan Scope. I'll go about a five here. I still have him as a top ten second baseman, but it's it's kind of like what we've seen with Rugnetto Dor the last couple years, like hitters who don't walk at all. If there's any slippage in their pure hitting ability, it could be disastrous. And that's what we've seen from Scope early this season. But obviously he missed a lot of time with injury, and he still has plenty of time to rebound. And finally, worryometer for Hanley Ramirez, another struggling first baseman, who still is fifth in Roto, but ninth in points. <laughs> and I mean, he's still a top ten first baseman. Last 30 games, Hanley is batting 230 with three home runs. Uh, yeah, he's he's been really bad. I mean, for the year... This is a first baseman who has six home runs. He's batting 266. That's almost as bad as Reese Hoskins. Yeah, he's partly up that high in the first base rankings because so many first basemen have been miserable. Yeah. I, I still feel like his overall season numbers are a pretty good scenario. Like if you were, I don't know that they're necessarily the best case scenario, but they're better than I expected from Hanley coming into the year. So worryometer, given my low starting expectations, I'll put it like seven because I think he'll, uh, you know, this is, this is still, he's still exceeded my expectations, like I said. Yeah, and Han okay, so Hanley's been really good against lefties this year. They've faced two left-handed starters in their last 15 games. Maybe that's something to keep an eye on, but I do think that maybe the, the owner who did not, who did not sell Hanley Ramirez missed the big chance. I wonder if he's gonna be dropped at, at some point, you know? I mean, especially if he's doing most of his damage against lefties, they have Mitch Moreland there, a left-handed hitter. Like, I can see that becoming third, though. Like, stop batting him third. <laughs> I don't, <laughs> I don't understand that. But I, yeah. well, that's a good thing. For they Andy. will if he keeps struggling like this. Yeah. I mean, I think there's something too, and, and you know, people are so we we nitpick starting lineups these days in a way that I don't think. Like I, I think the uh, the uproar over them, it doesn't even come close to the significance of them. Like he may be batting Hanley Ramirez third because he thinks that's how to get the most out of Hanley Ramirez, and forget like that uh, above what the optimized order of hitters can do for you. If you're optimizing individual player performance, that has to take priority, right? Yeah, yeah. All right, Scotty. Let's grade some trades, but here's the problem. My iPad broke, and I cannot play any freaking music, and I am really upset about this. Very upset. So, you know, teach me how to Dougie. Teach me how to Dougie. This is from Ned. Grade the trade, part one. <laughs> Dear Kobe, Magic, Shaq, and Kareem, give Trey Turner and Jose Martinez for Bryce Harper and Eduardo Escobar. Trey Turner and Jose Martinez for Harper and Escobar. 
pretty close to even. Bryce Harper's the best player in the deal, so I will give it a I'll give it a C plus. From Nick in Portland. This is a keeper league. You keep four players per year. Twelve teams, ten by ten. Alright, it's a lot, it's kinda complicated. Give up Miles Michaelis, Sean Manaya, and a sixth round pick. So like a tenth round pick. Sure. Because there's four keepers. You Darvish and a fourth round pick, which is like an eighth so like, round pick. Yeah, there you go. So uh, Miles, Michaelis, Sean Manaya, and a sixth round pick for you Darvish and a fourth round pick. And moving up two rounds in the middle of the draft. Yeah, so basically it's Michaelis and Manaya for Darvish and moving up two rounds. Yeah. Um Again, I'll take the side with the best player, which is Darvish. Okay, so what do you think? C plus? Yeah, C plus again. It's pretty close to even. Brian from New Hampshire, grade the trade. Billy, Longfellow, and Nikki. Come on, Scott. Hmm. SNL cast. Oh, 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 yeah, those are Adam Sandler characters, yep, right? Yep. Ten team head to head OBP league. Give up Charlie Morton, get Lorenzo Kane. <laughs> Especially since it's an OBP. P League? Well, I don't know if that matters that much, but yeah, I'd rather have Borden. I'll give it a C minus. Mitch in Gowanus. I don't know how to pronounce that. Grade the trade. Give up Carlos Santana and Tyson Ross in an OBP Keeper League, by the way. Carlos Santana and Tyson Ross get Anthony Rizzo and John Gray. Yes! Awesome! <laughs> I like how you react before I even have A to. minus. Santana and Ross oh, for Rizzo and too, Gray. That's, in a that's keeper league? Great. Now you get to keep Anthony Rizzo? I mean, he's not young. I'll give it a, I'll give it a B. It's an A minus. First of all, Rizzo is like much better than Santana. And Gray or Tyson Ross? I think uh, I might rather have Gray. I don't know that he's... Like the gap between Rizzo and Santana closes since it's an OBP league. Why Rizzo? But yeah, great I agree. OBP I guy. agree. It's an upgrade at both spots, both first base and starting pitcher for both the short and long term. Is Rizzo uh, not okay? I'll make it a B plus. Is Rizzo not yeah. walking this year? By the way, or am I crazy? No, he walks. He's walking. He has twelve walks this year. But I'm just saying, like Santana in a standard batting average league is a big negative in that one category, and in an OBP league, he's. You know, a positive. Okay. 12 walks in 36 games, so the walk rate is down for Rizzo. That's interesting. Streaking hitters. Let's talk about some hitters who are swinging a hot bat. Yasiel Puig, 7 for 22 with five home runs in his last eight games. Only five home runs of the year. <laughs> Jerks and Profar is 23% owned. He's got a lot of eligibility. I'll check on the eligibility. And Gerardo Parra, in the month of May, Parra is batting 367 with two homers and three steals. Para is the 37th best outfielder in points in May, 30th in Roto. Uh, let me check on the Profar eligibility, but talk about Puig, Profar, and Para. Ooh, I didn't realize the the alliteration there. The triple P's. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Puig could be pretty good. We saw it last year. I haven't, even with the horrible start in the Elston, I didn't move him way down my rankings. He's still top 50 outfielder for me. I'm just not sure Profar is quite powerful enough to measure up in today's game. Yeah, only three home runs. Thirty. Right. He, he's been better against lefties. He did homer off a righty yesterday, but three homers, three steals for Profar. He's been, you know, he's been pretty good. Uh, if I have his previous ten games before yesterday, he was batting two fifty six with six doubles. But right, he that, should probably have a higher batting average than he has, but. Ultimately, I just don't think I just don't think there's much room for him to uh, to move up in mixed league rankings. Okay, Profar, twenty three percent owned, is eligible at shortstop, second base, and outfield. I dropped Matt Adams for him yesterday, but that had a lot to do with Matt Adams. Yeah, he's he's a pretty easy choice to drop again. I, I'm I'm already looking forward to next. You know, May or June when he's like yes. hitting 12 home runs for the Twins, and we're like, "Oh, Matt <laughs> Adams is awesome," and then he he doesn't have a job a month later. All right, more from yesterday. 
Let's skip around here so we can grade more trades and regulate. Well, all right, tell me how much you want to own the following pitchers. Tyler Chatwood, this is shorted by ownership percent. Tyler Chatwood is 76% owned. Mm, almost not at all. Vince Velasquez. Yeah, he's moving up. He, he did throw it like, my knock on, the knock on Vince Velasquez was, leans too much on the fastball, not enough of a secondary arsenal. He hardly threw his fastball yesterday. I think it was only like 30% of the time. So clearly, and piling up a season high swinging strike total against the Braves, he has some other stuff to work with. And frankly, the K per nine is just so high that. Yeah. I'm being a little too critical of him. Velasquez has 64 strikeouts and 51 and two thirds. I, I yeah. am absolutely picking him up if I see him. I don't think Velasquez is available anywhere. And no. I, I, Scott, I think you look at the Phillies, like they're they're like the Astros of the NL. I mean, it's okay. They don't have four amazing pitchers, but everybody <laughs> in their rotation is overachieving, uh, right? I mean. Definitely not overachieving, but having a really good year for for what we expected. Uh, Aaron Ola, uh, maybe Velasquez. Uh, I'm not sure. And Pavetta. Pavetta. Certainly. Thank you. Jeez, Pavetta. Yeah. Um, Eflin. I would. I'm not saying he's great, but he's doing better than we <laughs> thought. And who else am I missing here? Oh, Arietta. Arietta. Well, Arietta. Yeah. He's having a good year, but not in a way I trust. So. Uh. Yes, they are getting they are getting close to a best case scenario from all of their arms. <laughs> yes, Arietta, I think in the long run is going to be an exception to that. Would you rather have Velasquez than Arietta? No, yeah. I wouldn't. Okay, Jeremy Hellickson. How much do you want to own him? Not much. I think what's his success is largely hinging on. The Nationals not letting him face a lineup the third time through. Right. And maybe that's a sustainable plan, but obviously it's going to limit his win potential, going to limit his innings. He has only once in his last, uh, I don't, well, I'd have to pull it up and see, but there's a lot of starts where he's not even getting to 80 pitches. Okay, Jeremy Hellickson. How much do you want to own Trevor Cahill? Trevor Cahill, um, like I said, he's pretty fringy. He's droppable. Like, I'd rather own him than uh, Chatwood and... Hellickson. And Hellickson, yes. How much do you want to own Jake Faria? <laughs> well, now he has a strained oblique and is going on the DL. He oh. was already pretty droppable before. Oh, that. I didn't even, even realize more that. More so than Cahill. Okay. I didn't realize oh, yeah. Faria got hurt. Well, I'll just blame it on that then. All right. Uh, I know you want to own Caleb Smith. How much do you want to own Yolisha Seen? He's fine deeper league in a lonely option, but like there, there, it seems like this could go awry for him still. There's not, it's not like he's suddenly uh, missing a lot of bats and getting a lot of ground balls. All right, Yoli Shasin. How about Zach Wheeler? Kind of interesting. The strikeouts have definitely been up recently. He also seems pretty vulnerable to the disaster start, so I'll, like he's still behind Cahill for me. That's Zach Wheeler. How about Domingo Herman? How much do you want to own him? Nope. Still, still some interesting signs, but not really. Yeah, there are interesting signs. Apparently he has a very high spin rate on his fastball. He does have good stuff. He gets strikeouts, but two bad starts in a row. Uh, Matt Cook, 34% owned. How much do you want to own Matt Cook? In all only. Matt Harvey. Gotta say in all only for him too. He's... I think he's having a fortuitous stretch here with the Reds, not missing a lot of bats. Mike Leak. Uh, pretty, pretty low end behind like Chassin even. Brandon McCarthy. He's not bad, Scott. He's not he's bad. He's not bad, too but he's dreadful. not bad in like a Ulysses Chassin sort of way. True, two dreadful starts. Other than that, he's been pretty good. But yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't go deep. He's pitched six innings only twice and no more than six innings for McCarthy in any start. Lance Lynn had a good start. He did, but he had a start like this three turns ago. One, one walk in this start and there was zero walks in that other good six inning outing. Yeah. 
uh, and then obviously two disasters in between. So I'm not fully trusting it yet. But you know I think there's a turnaround coming. Sure, with Lance Lynn. And those two good starts were at the White Sox and against Detroit without Miguel Cabrera, without Jamie Candelario. So it's been probably matchups. How about Eric Lauer? No. How about Jason Hamill? No. How about James Shields? Can you believe More than those doing? last two. I mean, because James... he is doing some different things here recently and is yeah. on a nice quality start stretch, but uh, I still don't think there's a lot of upside here. All right, yeah, James Shields 0 and 1, 3.27 ERA in his last five starts, 26 strikeouts in 33 innings. All right, Scott, it's time to oh, I'm really, I miss Nate Dog and Warren G. I want to play the music so badly. Let's regulate. Do 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 do. That's pretty good. Thanks. That's also a Michael McDonald song originally. Keep forgetting. That's that song. <laughs> All right. Regulating. Ben from D.C. Dear Corey, Travis, and Alex. Corey, Travis, and Alex are... I don't know. Do you know? Uh... Dodgers? Is there a Travis? Corey Seager? Alex Corey? I don't know. Uh, I'm the commissioner of a 10-team points dynasty league. Yesterday, a manager tried to claim Victor Mesa, a Cuban defector. But instead, he claimed the wrong Victor Mesa, as the Cuban was added to the player pool late in the day yesterday. The owner messaged me last night and said that he didn't realize he was picking up the wrong player, and I asked, and he asked if I would not overbid him on Fab today. So he has a chance to acquire the correct Victor Mesa. As his commissioner, friend, and league mate, should I make fun of him for not researching the right player he was bidding on and overbid him today? Or should I be merciful and not put a bid in on Victor Mesa, on the right Victor Mesa, so he can write his wrong? It's easy to look at a player card and see that Victor Mesa is a 24-year-old Dominican, and the correct Victor Mesa, who is Victor Victor Mesa, by the way, is a 21-year-old Cuban. Uh, P.S. Harper Scherzer should be an NBA Jam top team. That'd be a pretty good one. Yeah, that'd be a hell, hell. Yeah, that might be the answer. Um, Victor, all right, so, Victor. Yeah, that sounds like you're like relaying a military code. No, it's it's airplane. What's your vector? Oh, Victor? That is? Yeah, what's your vector? Uh, what do you do here if you're the commissioner? And this guy picked up the wrong Victor Mesa. Do you go out and just say, "Hey, screw you, buddy. I'm gonna I'm gonna get the right guy. I'll overbid you." Well. If if everybody was competing on equal terms and uh, it was just an honest mistake, I would I would grant him his request. But what makes it sticky is there may be people in this league who are waiting around for the right Victor Mar- Victor Mesa to show up in the player pool, and you know just because like I, that's that's what I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so I I feel like you need to run the process. You need to run the fab process again. All right, from Zach. Do, 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 do. We play in a deep keeper league where you keep 10 players based on a, the round selected. It's a 30-round draft, 30-man roster. The commissioner replaced one of the teams last year with a friend from his job who clearly knew nothing about baseball or fantasy. The commissioner, tr- commissioner traded Daniel Murphy, who is a 12th-round pick and a 6th-round pick next year, for Mookie Betts and a 3rd-round pick. So he traded Daniel Murphy for Mookie Betts, and he moved up like nine rounds. The new what? owner, yeah. This is with the owner that the commissioner brought in, a friend of his from yeah. work who knows nothing. Yeah. The new owner also proceeded to drop Nick Senzel. Bear in mind that all top prospects, probably most of the top 20 or 30 prospects, are definitely owned. Uh, I was lucky enough to pick up Senzel, but he also dropped Glaber Torres, who was picked up by another order. Basically, we have an incompetent owner here. Needless to say, the league was furious about the Betts trade, and in our group chat was letting their feelings out. As a result, the new owner quit the league and was replaced. He quit because he said he didn't like the fact that everyone was criticizing his move. I said this is similar to letting your wife or girlfriend join the league, making a trade with them, and then kicking them out of the league. I felt that all the moves should have been reversed before this person was allowed to join the league. Uh, so basically going back to what happened before this guy joined. The commissioner ruled that the transactions will stand because he needs Mookie Betts. Scott, let's regulate. Uh, sounds like there's an uprising. Yeah. In the making here, what what makes it hard is it's the commissioner, and so I mean, how, how do you 
you know, with other than overthrowing the commissioner. Like, it's a pretty big conflict. Mookie Betts is arguably the best player in fantasy. And How about Daniel dropping Mookie, Glaber Torres? He just gave Glaber Torres away. Yeah, I don't, like, I don't think you can fix that. Um, obviously it was a bad move and, uh, but it's not like it benefited this one owner who invited him to the league. So I think you just, everyone just has to live with that. But bets, the bets trade needs to be undone because it's ridiculous. Nice, and Scott. Regulate. It's, it's reasonable to wonder if it was made in good faith. And if the commissioner is unwilling to back it up, I say, uh, you leave the commissioner to, uh, to play by himself next year and start your own league. Wow. Scott White is taking the gloves off. I will say this, though. If you back out the bets trade, I kind of feel like you have to go whole kit and caboodle and back out the ad drops, too. It, like, cause that, there, there, it's hard to know exactly all the ramifications of that. I don't know how long ago Glaber Torres was picked up by owner X and Nick Senzel by owner Y and what other moves they might have made in the meantime and who they dropped and what happened to those players. Like, that gets very sticky. I don't know. I agree with you that the bets trade should be reversed. I don't know how you do one and not the other. All right, that's... Well, because, uh, yeah. Because it didn't benefit the owner that you're thinking oh, wasn't acting in good the, Right, yeah. All right, uh, this is finally from... Oh, I don't have a name here. I'm sorry. But he says, Dear Warren, Nate, and Calvin. Yeah, we're regulators. Do, 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 do. During the offseason, a member of our league stated that he didn't want to play anymore, and we could replace him in our 10-team dynasty league. The commissioner said he liked the guy and was going to try to talk him into staying, which he eventually did. Fast forward to last week where the commish and the before-mentioned uninterested owner make a trade. The commish gave up Scooter Jeanette and Matt Davidson who we picked up on waivers two days prior, for Carlos Santana and Marcel Ozuna. Jeanette and Davidson for Santana and Ozuna. The league collectively crapped its pants at the lopsided trade. It was proposed we add league voting for vetoes, and the commission said, we'll talk about adding it for next year during the offseason. He, of course, then upheld the trade. I think there is not only hijinks here, but also a copious amount of tomfoolery it is clear to me, I am the smartest guy in the league, that the commission only kept this dude around to make these kind of trades with. How should I flip out on these fools? <laughs> I don't know, Scott. So this, this one's not that bad. Yeah, this one's not that bad. This one doesn't strike me as it's bad. obvious idiocy right. or uh, suspicious acting in bad faith, unless there's a history of it between these two. And I know the commissioner wanted the guy to stay, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything. Uh, like, depending on the format, and he doesn't say other than 10 team dynasty. Like, if it's a categories league, I'm not sure Jeanette isn't more valuable than Santana. Yeah. Like, uh, but, but he's not. Now, Ozuna, Ozuna is in theory the best player in this deal, but he's been so awful that I think it's reasonable for somebody to sell low on him now. Like, you yeah. have to, if, like, you have to let people sell low or else there's no point in that even being a segment in fantasy baseball discussions. I'm sorry, guys. I don't think we can really regulate here. Although, I don't know that if you want to institute voting now, you don't necessarily have to wait until next year. But, you know, I, yeah. don't, I don't know that there's any tomfoolery like going on that. here. Like, I don't, I, I think trading should just be free. And if you can't trust people to do it right, then you don't need to play with those people. But, yeah, I don't know. It's Scott, sorry. I I don't mind that change midseason. Let's uh let's grade some more trades to finish the show. From Kevin in Texas, Justin Turner and Luke Weaver for Brian Dozier and Alex Reyes. Turner and Weaver for Dozier and Reyes. Oh, nice. Yeah, that is an upgrade I think on both ends. I will give it a B. Alex from Detroit, 12 team categories league. Give Matt Olson and Madison Bumgarner. Get Alex Reyes and Reese Hoskins. Olson and Bummy for Reyes and Hoskins. Hmm. It's a C. Okay. You'd rather have Bumgarner than Reyes, I assume. Mm-hmm. Yep. From Ben in an AL only league, give up Nomar Mazzara, Lucas Duda, and Andrew Miller. Nomar Mazzara, Lucas Duda, and Andrew Miller. Get Justin Upton. Cyrus Davis and Tyler Skaggs. Mazzara, Duda, and Miller for Justin Upton, Cyrus Davis, and Skaggs. Well, somebody who doesn't buy the Mazzara breakout, I think Justin Upton 
is far and away the best player in this deal, and Tyler Skaggs might be the second best player. So I'm going to give this a B plus. I'm going to give an it an A minus. Yep, A minus. And finally, Matthew Walker traded Cesar Hernandez, Kyle Seeger, and Sean Manaya. Hernandez, Seeger, and Manaya for Jose Altuve, and that's an A. <laughs> Yeah, solid A. That is that is an A plus. Beautiful. All right, thank you, Scott, and thank you all for listening. I'm sorry about the lack of music. Ruined the show. Terrible show. We'll do better tomorrow. Bye.